future generation, hopefully, saved and serving, exiting. All right. You remaining, give me your attention. Slightly distracted. All right, if you didn't get a chance to fill out these suggestion sheets, I still have a copy or two. I'm actually going to sit down uh, with men, probably individually. We're going to talk about some of these things, then we'll get together and uh, look at what we can, what ideas we can come up with. If we all are abiding in Christ, and that's what I hope, um, then I value your opinion, and I value your what God has spoken to you about as well as to other myself. So if you haven't filled one out, anybody did said, Pastor, I didn't get one, or I lost it, or I'd like to fill one out now. Anybody at all? No takers? All right, so I'm assuming either you've given one or you haven't, but you're not interested at this point. So if you change your mind, come see me. I'll, uh, I have them up here. But otherwise, we're going to take Mark chapter number 8. We're going to actually look at the latter part of Mark chapter number 8 and uh, number 9. Um, we're not moving uh, too far away from the idea of abiding. Uh, I talked about it last week, to abide or not to abide. Um, if you were here on... Is my mic? No, I turned the switch on. Uh, the switch is on. Which is on. How's that? Better? Sorry about that. I should have checked earlier. Um, but if you were here on, um, on Wednesday night, we were out of Mark chapter number 9. And we uh, our verses that we're memorizing are dealing with repentance and uh how repentance is a vital part of the Christian life. When you are abiding in Him, it says the Bible says in First John, if we say we have no sin, uh, how many know that verse? First John one. If we say we have no sin, what? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not. But if we confess our sins, now the idea of confessing of sin, in many ways, is coming to. Um, the realization that the sin or the thing they're doing is not like it's you're ignorant of it it's just that you've come to a place where you say this is a problem uh, and it can be a sin of omission which means that you should be doing something that you're not a sin of commission that you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing so it goes cuts both ways and, uh, and so we are to be repentive of that very first message I ever print, preached uh, when I was a layman was the idea of repentance, and it was repentance for the not for the lost but for the saved. In John chapter uh, Mark chapter number nine, our our uh, memory verse is verse uh, I think it's verse number twenty nine was the first one we had, and uh, and basically if he says uh, when when Jesus. Uh, was talking to his disciples, they asked him why they couldn't cast the demon out of the young man. And, uh, and of course, the verse that we're to memorize, verse 29, he said unto them, This kind cometh forth nothing but by prayer and fasting. So 
The idea there that it's a spiritual work. You know, the Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and workers of darkness. And then it's uh, also in verse 43. And it says, if thy hand offend thee. You know, if you're doing things that you that with your hands that are not the will of God, or doing things with your feet that's not, or your eyes, or whatever extremity, or um, uh, your, whatever you have that's not a part of the will of God, you need to change your mind about that. To what degree? It's serious. He says, if it offends you, if you can't stop doing what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, then cut it off. I haven't seen too many one-legged Christians that have gone around and cut their leg off because they just say, you know, I just need to stop. The only way I can stop it is to cut my leg or my hand or poke out my eye. Uh, I haven't seen that happen. Um, not that maybe it shouldn't happen if it can't, but it means that it really does say, God says, listen, I'm serious about this. I'm serious that, that if you're abiding in me, there are certain things that we should be doing, certain things we shouldn't be doing, and uh, if we expect to have the power of God upon our lives, then we have to reflect him abiding in us. That means we have to have that, that spirit, basically, of repentance, that humble brokenness, that willingness to see ourselves as Christ sees us, and, uh, and, and really to begin to deal with it. Uh, we're going to read in verse 31 of chapter number 8. And we're going to read all the way down through uh, verse 1 of chapter 9. So there's about, the, uh, looks to be probably about nine verses or so. We're going to read. I'd like for you to stand as we read these together. Mark chapter number 8, verse number 31. And the Bible says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders, and of the chief priests, and of scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. What I want you to, what I'm putting an emphasis on there, is the idea there that it says, After three days rise again. Now notice in verse number 32, And he spake that saying openly, And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, and when he had turned, him about, turned about, he, he looked on his disciples, and he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him, and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall, I, or shall, or shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Again, he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, 
but shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, it's important that, Father, we understand all the ramifications of being a child of God and being a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, that there are challenging things, there's difficult things. There are things that, Father, are above and beyond our ability. And, Father, there are things that reflect you and who you are. And, Father, that if we misrepresent you, Father, we have taken that commandment that says we shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Lord, help us not to do that. Help us not to reflect something of ourselves or something of this world or something of the devil. But help us to reflect the truth that liberates not only ourselves but those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. For those that are looking for a title, the power of the kingdom of God. When we think about abiding in in the Lord Jesus Christ, we look at the life of Christ and we see that God was with him. The Bible says that he went around doing good. We look in chapter number 8 leading up to what we just read at the end of chapter number 8 and the beginning of chapter number 9. We see very clearly that he gives us that there are things that we do that either reflect the Lord Jesus Christ or that reflects us in the flesh. It's very important that we live in a world that needs to see the truth about who Christ is and needs to to see that he is a, a Savior. But there are things about him that maybe we overlook that are very, very important. He begins in chapter number 8, and I want to bring out some points here, I think, that that led him up to that point where, uh, as he uh, looked in, in, the, in the next chapter about the resurrection, we know that he says, I, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Remember when he raised Lazarus from the dead, uh, either Mary or Martha said, that if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. He says, I know you're going to raise him up to the last day. And what was Jesus' response to her? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall not perish. The idea being there that the idea of abiding in Christ is the understanding that we are living what is very importantly known as the resurrected life. Christ in you and me, he is accomplishing his will, his way, and then his strength. And if we don't reflect that, then the, and the truth is, is that we're not abiding in him. Just as much as the disciples, they, they question when the, in chapter number 9, oh, why couldn't we cast him out? And I remember a verse for this week, he says, well, this kind cometh forth nothing but by prayer and fasting. Verse number 29. And so the idea being there is we've got to be very serious that we accomplish 
the mind of God, the heart of God, the spirit of God. And, and I want to go through uh, portions of, of Mark chapter number 8 and, and see something that maybe we're missing about the life of Christ. Remember when Jesus walked those three years with his disciples and he went about doing good and his, and, and his disciples seen that and, and, he, and he asked them later on, he says uh, uh, in chapter number 8, he says, who do men say that I am? He says, what do people say about me? Well, he said some very powerful things. He said, well, some of you think that you're, if you're looking for the verses with me, uh, uh, in verse number 27 of chapter number 28, he says, uh, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some think you're John the Baptist. In verse 28, or one of the prophets. But he says, more importantly, who do you say I am? And boy, we know that Jesus, uh, Peter piped right up, and we always... The Catholics use that to, to say that's the reason he's the Pope. And he says, well, you know, uh, uh, you're the Son of God. Uh, you're, you're the one that, uh, uh, you know, you're not, and he, under, he gave the right answer. But just right after he gave the right answer, what happened? He said, well, here's what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to suffer. Uh, I'm going to be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and, and be killed. But he missed the most important thing. He's what? He says, after three days, what? I'm going to rise again. I mean, he's just going to miss that little phrase. Yeah, all this stuff's going to happen, but after three days, I'm going to rise again. You and I don't want to miss that very important phrase. We are living as Christians the resurrected life. When you abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are living the resurrected life. When you are, are following him, listen, say, what are some of the attributes of someone that lives the resurrected life? Let's look in chapter number 8 at the beginning. It says in verse 1, that he called his disciples unto him, and there was a great multitude. And verse number 1, but look at verse 2, it says, he says, uh, uh, and he says, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I want you to pick out one of the attributes of Christ is compassion. You know, one of the things that you and I ought to feel the needs of other people very acutely in our life. So acutely that it doesn't, the, the normal people wouldn't see it, normal people wouldn't understand it, normal people wouldn't even think about it. But he says, I'm thinking, you know what, these people have been out here, they've been following me around for a while, they, and I'm thinking, they haven't been to their houses, they haven't been to, I don't, I'm sure they didn't have places along the side of the road that they could eat like we do today. I know they had fields that they could go in, and of course the Jewish law said that you could uh, pick corn off as long as you just ate what you needed to fill your belly, but other than that you, that, you couldn't go beyond that, but you could do that. I don't know, maybe it wasn't the season that the corn was ripe or the, uh, that they could do that. But Jesus recognized, listen, these folks haven't had anything to eat. 
Well, now we could we could tell, we could justify this uh, thought about compassion of the uh, the, uh, the Lord and say, well, He's just going to show them a, a mighty miracle and He's going to feed the four thousand and uh, it was going to be a great thing going to be written down in the Bible. <coughs> but I think it's bigger than that. To be honest with you, yes, it was a miracle thing. Yes, it was a wonderful thing that He did. And you say, well, I don't, I, there's no way, Pastor, if you're thinking I got the money to feed a whole host of people like that, I don't. I think that you missed the point here. He says, I have what? Compassion. See, there ought to be something that wakes up inside of us when we see needs. It ought to be something that you don't wait on somebody to organize something, to structure something, to figure something out. You say, I, I think there's a need here. Uh, I'm not going to wait on somebody else. I, I may be uh, maybe encouraged. I'm going to do something whether anybody else does it or not. Maybe I'm going to organize something and structure something that's bigger than I can handle. But I have what? Compassion. You know, the book of... Uh, Jude, it talks about some having compassion making a what? A difference. A little bit of compassion sometimes and feeling, you know, we see needs in our church. There's people that have physical needs, there's people that have financial needs, there's people that just have uh, spiritual needs, there's all kinds of needs. And the point I'm going to make out is that, 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 that the power to have compassion. The resurrected life of the Lord Jesus Christ, living uh, as he was, he had compassion, first of all, to see the need. None of the disciples came to him and says, you know, hey, Jesus, what do you think? We got, uh, we've had these people out here for a long time. They've been out here in the open air with you and me, and, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe we, we need to cut these meetings short or something. These people need to go home and get something to eat. None of them came up and even, they couldn't identify the need. Listen, when you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, you, I mean, and you think about it, it's not, it, 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 some people can identify and complain. That's not what I'm talking about. You identify the need and you say, listen, we have to do something to overcome the need. There's something that, you know, it's amazing, and if you read this, they they uh, uh, he said well he said well uh, you read on down through there it says disciples uh, answered for once again a man gratified these men in verse number four uh, uh, with bread here in the wilderness and he asked them how many loaves have ye? See God doesn't ask you to go beyond what you have. He just what do you have? Meet what you have. Listen. I mean, God may multiply that. God may bless that in some way. We may not say, well, uh, we may not understand how. You say, well, I don't have much, but I can do something. I don't have much time, but I can give some time. I don't have much money, well, much uh, talent, but I can do something. I have. I mean, how many of you think that maybe we have two nursing homes. I believe with all my heart God has given us those ministries. I don't know. I, we had no ministry like that when I came here. Maybe there was one before I came here. And it was just simply, they, both of them, was because we had people in those nursing homes. And when we left, when those people passed away, there was still a need, right? There was still a need. 
And I'll be honest with you, for that ministry to really work right, to be a ministry that God's going to need or God's going to use, there's got to be some people in this auditorium that have what? Compassion. I don't know how I can help those folks. That some of them don't have no family, some of them are raised in an ungodly environment, and some of them maybe were in a godly environment, but they're not there now, and whatever it is, I just simply feel that I could maybe help them out some way. I Maybe I could go there and hold the songs for uh, Brother O. Maybe I could help them there learn a memory verse. Maybe I could just go around and visit with them. Whatever you do, it would just be a matter of what? Compassion. I care. I just care. You know, do people know when you care about them? Do they know? They know you. What are you, you, know, they, what are you doing here? Why? Well, I just feel like I should be here. I feel like I need to talk to you. I feel like you got, I need to be a part of your life. In other words, what am I saying? You love people. Really, that's what Jesus did. You know, in that multitude of 4,000, I don't really know how many of them were really planning to be disciples. I don't know how many of them were saved. I don't know how many of them were lost. I don't know how many of them followed the Lord Jesus uh, after the resurrection. I don't know that. But I do know this. Jesus loved them. I do know that. I know that he loved them and I know that this was a lesson for his disciples. You need to love them too. And yeah, we don't know whether they're going to get saved. We don't know whether they're really going to respond to the gospel. But one thing we do know is that we can love them the best we can. Well, work at work. One of the things that people just, some of them don't like the job because you have to deal with people. They're coming through the airport. Some of them's crying. Some of them's laughing. Some of them's mad. Some of them's in a hurry. It's all kinds of emotions from one end of the scale to the other. I'm leaving home. I'm going on vacation. I'm going to a job I don't want to go to. Some of them are going to a funeral. And one thing that I tell people, if you're going to work here, you got to like people. Yeah, you don't like people, you're in a miserable place to be. I'll be honest with you, if you're a Christian and you, don't, and you come to church and you just want to isolate yourself and, and you say, well, I, uh, every, time I, every time I try to get close to somebody, I get hurt. How many have ever had that experience? Get over it. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, get over it. Didn't he say it here that he told his disciples that he says he began to teach them the Son of Man, the Son of Many Things, be rejected. Of the elders, this is going to be rejected of a lot of people. I'm just saying, get over it. Being a Christian, it's all about people. It's always going to be always about people. You're going to knock on doors, somebody you don't even know, and they don't even want you there. But you know that Jesus loves them, and he had compassion on them, and he died for them, and you're there because you know God wanted you to be there. One of the attributes that you're going to have to have as living the resurrected life is I need to learn to love folks, young and old, crippled and, and smart and dumb and, and everything in between. You've got to learn to love folks. 
I'm not mine too lovable. We may pick up kids on our bus ministry that aren't too lovable. You gotta love them anyway. Right? You gotta show them you care. Second thing I want you to pick up here, not only we have to he had compassion and basically he loved folks. He loved us in while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. I want you to see in chapter eight and verse number ten, straightway after he fed the four thousand, he entered into the ship and his disciples came into the parts of Dalmutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with them, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him, and he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? There's another guiding principle here. He says, There's not going to be any sign given into this generation. And another portion of the scriptures, he says, There's only going to be one sign given, and that sign was the Sign of Jonah. Remember Jonah? As Jonah was three days in the mouth of the belly of the whale. So shall the Son of Man be three days in the heart of the earth. And the sign of the, if there's any sign, it's the sign of the resurrection. After three days, he rose again. He says, I'm, you know, he sighed inside. Can you imagine? You know, my wife says I sigh once in a while. What's wrong? What's wrong? You're sighing. You made a big sigh. I seen something, heard something, did something that didn't settle well with me. This didn't settle too well with our Lord Jesus. A sign. Always seeking after a sign. You're always trying to God prove yourself you're in this church. God prove you're using Pastor. God prove you're using Brother O. God prove that this is really where I need to be. Looking for a sign. There's no going to be no sign given. But you know there is something God has given us. <clears throat> he mentions this here. And the sign that we have is the thing that God has already written. The sign that God has already written. There isn't something new God's going to give us to understand. That's why sometimes I, we're, we're paralyzed and, and really going forward and living the resurrected life and abiding with Christ and living by faith and seeing the hand of God work in our ways that we couldn't believe and understand is because we're looking and when we have it right in front of us when it says that we're study to show ourselves approved. I mean, we look in chapter number nine, and, we, and he says, uh, he says uh, in verse one, Boy, I say unto you that some that stand here which shall not taste death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Well, the power of God rests. You remember how you got saved? Remember how you got saved? You began to believe the Bible. You began to believe that you needed to be born again. You began to believe that you were a sinner in need of salvation and that you needed to turn from your way and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You began to believe that. And the Spirit of God began to move over your heart and over your mind and over your soul. 
And all of a sudden you began to change your mind about your sin and your present direction. You said, you know what, I need to I need to give it up and give in. You just began to go back to the fundamentals of the faith, which is what? The word of God and prayer. Boy, when we leave the when we leave anything, the fundamentals of what what makes the, the uh, you saved and what makes you grow, then you're going to start seeking after a son. You're going to see the, the the thing of it is God. When you study and memorize the Word of God, God has the ability to speak through you, move in your life, and get you to understand and do things you never knew and never thought you could do. The only authority that God is going to give you is himself. Number three. Now I have the power for compassion. In other words, to love folks. You have the ability to know that the only authority is prayer and the word of God. And he got to that in chapter 9. Just don't come. You, what, you want something new? Just don't come out by prayer and fasting. No, just go back to disciples. This is how it works. But number three, listen. In verse 14 of chapter number eight. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in their ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod. And they reasoned among themselves. First of all, he wants to point out, listen, there is that power to overcome secular influences, Herod, and religious influences. You know, you want to see something that limits the power of God in your life, there's two big ones right there. There's a lot of religious people. We're doing a study downstairs, and we're doing it on faith promise giving. And I, it was an eye-opener to me because I was always a big believer in faith promise, but I think it's a little misconstrued. Especially when I tried to match money management and, and not going into debt. And that's not a, how God wants to have reign over all of our lives. Not just, not just uh, that we read our Bible and come to church. He wants to have rule over everything. The point being is that there's religious influences. There's, things, there's a lot of information out there about what the will of God is. It's very, very important that you and I be able to discern what is the will of God without those other influences. How many of you think the Pharisees and Sadducees had a lot of influence in their day? People, people that believed in Jesus wouldn't go and follow him because they didn't want to be cut off from him. They knew, hey, he, he, he sounds like the Son of God. Sounds like what he's saying is true. But boy, if we follow him, we're not going to be in good with these other with these people that are religious leaders. So there's these secular and religious influences. How do you overcome them? Maybe I ought to write these things down. I'm going to give you four. Big. You want to have the power of God in your life? 
I mean in your life. It doesn't matter what anybody else, you're going to ask yourself, do you have the power of God in your life? God working in you. God uh, reaching people through you. Listen, number one. Required, you must know the will of God. If you're not going to be affected by the influences of the secular, religious influences, you've got to know what God's mind is for yourself. I, I really, I, I, I mean, I'm trying to be the best pastor I can be. I'm trying to study and show myself approved. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to pray and, and be what I should be. But the bottom line is this, folks. What if I'm not doing it right? Oh, are you going to stand before God and say, Oh, God, Pastor Teasdale taught me this. I, I just, I was following him. And, uh, hey, you know, there's a lot of pastors out there leading people the wrong way. You better know the will of God for yourself. It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to follow a, a spiritual person that God has put in your church. But listen, the bottom line is you are responsible. You better know the will of God for yourself. How, how much important it is to know it because you are the single soul person that is responsible for your children. How many know that? I mean, realize you're not going to blame me. You're not going to blame Miss T for your kids not turning out for God. I mean, no, you're not going to come to me and blame me and or, or, or Glenn because uh, uh, your marriage didn't turn out right. Or brother Earl. Or somebody else that you feel you look up to. You're not going to blame them because they gave you some information. Your responsibility is to know the will of God for yourself. You can seek guidance. You can seek some help. But the bottom line is you've got the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit. Secondly, not only to know it, but to do it. You say, I, I don't want to be uh, uh, influenced by secular and religious influences. Listen, the, if, if there's a vacuum anywhere, it's a vacuum that people that know the will of God but not doing it. And they feel like, well, i got to do something. So they fill it in with something else. Thirdly, know the will of God, but we do the will of God, but thirdly, we are aware of Satan's devices. I mean, you that 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 a brother O spends a lot of time uh, on Wednesday night. What what religious cult is he really trying to get people to look at? Jehovah Witnesses. Brother, how many of your family has been affected by JWs? How many? huge portion of your family has been affected. He, do you know Satan's devices? Brother, you know them? Are you fighting back? Are you pushing back? Listen, you, you know, are there other people that you know and love that you know are in the clutches of Satan and you say, well, how can I push back on that? Well, you've got to know his devices. A little, a little word here and a little word there. Omit here, attic here. Uh, listen, you know the word of God well enough and you say, listen, this is what the Bible says they took from this and they added here. Wouldn't it be nice if you had that kind of authority right here at your fingertips? You just share with people what the truth is? You think that makes an influence when you can do that? My mom asked me, I was down visiting her yesterday. 
Uh, by the way, if you're praying for mom, she's mom will be 90 this June. God bless her. She goes to church. She tries to do what she thinks is right. And I've, I've had her in tears and mad and crying. And, and she says, well, yeah, you know, I said, was talking about the church. And I said, well, you know, I'm just trying to get in the... Uh, well, can't you get something? She has a woman pastor. So you know what she wanted me to do? She said, well, can't you get some of the women to help you out in the church? I said, well, they do already. I said, they help me a lot. I said, but I said, well, no, I mean, can't you get them to, to lead a study? Or, or I think she wanted to preach. How many of you ladies want to preach? I'm looking for any volunteers. And I said, well, Mom, I can't get by the scriptures where it says that woman's not the teacher usurp authority over man. And the bishop has to be the husband of one wife. I said, Mom, I can't get past that. You know what? She just kind of looked at me like a long face. Didn't know what to say. The truth. The matter is, you got to be aware of Satan's device. And number four, you want to overcome secular and religious influence, you pray for strength and wisdom and for all the above. Remember, what did Jesus say? Why you couldn't cast him out? They had all the knowledge. They were trying to do the will of God. They were aware of Satan's devices, but they lacked one thing. Says this cometh forth by prayer and fasting. It's one thing. Prayer and fasting. I always look to fasting this. That I, if. If there's one way you want to deny yourself, try to fast. I mean, who I'm talking about? Man, I, I, if, I, if there's one thing that I'd like to do, and that's eat. Boy, miss a meal, it's like, it's like somebody's sticking a knife at you, you know? We love to eat. But Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him want. Deny himself. He says in verse number 34, it says, If any man will come at me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Pray for strength and wisdom, and I believe that includes fasting. Now folks, this subject has been about the power of God. The nuts and bolts of the power of God, Christ abiding in you, Number one, you got to do what? Remember, I'm reviewing a little bit. What do we got to do? We got to love people. Come on, you got to learn to love folks. You got to learn. You know, one of the requirements, if you, if a, if a man desires the office of business, that he's hospitable. Invites people over the house. They have lunch with me. You know, you're hospitable. You, in other words, you like people. What was the second thing we talked about? If say you're gonna have the yeah, you're gonna have the power of God, you gotta understand where it comes from, right? The authority. The word of God. Thus saith the Lord. The word of God, you study it, you memorize it, listen. We're struggling, right, Brother Lord, we're struggling with this. We 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 got verses to memorize and boy, we just struggle with getting it done. We do it just to say we've done it. We need to have some heart for it. Number three, the power to overcome. Listen, we are influenced. Right now in this room, 
there are people that are influenced by secular environment. This is what the world says we should be doing. This is what the world says we should have. This is the standard not set by the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have a place to lay his head. John, I was thinking about that today. I was, I was thinking more about how to cut corners and, and not spend, where I could spend more time. Matter of fact, uh, pray for me. Really pray for me. I, I really feel God had me quit or cut it back to two days a week this summer. I don't, that's going to be a step of faith. It really is. Work two days a week. I'm going to, I'm going to live on what the church gives me and that two days that I get from the thing. I don't know how good Lord's going to, but I'm going to think out of the box. I'm going to say, you know what? That I know that ain't secular thinking. I mean, I might have to give up this smartphone. Matter of fact, I've already got plans to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way that's going to make it work. I'm going to ask God. God, you said I can do this. You said I can I can make this happen. God, you're going to help me do this. Listen, if God's going to say to your pastor to, do, to, to make it happen, then you've got to say to yourself, how can I make it happen? I was looking through these things. I don't have it with me. And uh, one of the things down there, what can we do? We need to, one of the things, statements somebody made, we need to be knocking on doors once a week. Praise God. I like that. That's what we need to be doing. If that's, how many think that's what we need to be doing? You knock, come on. If we need to be knocking on doors once a week, then if that's the will of God, then we need to be doing it. Right? And if you say, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I mean, uh, according to what the world standard is, uh, to meet that standard, the world says, I've got to be doing this and this and this. And there's no way I can walk on, knock on doors once a week. If it's the will of God, then God says you can do it. You can find a way you can do it. Let me give you the fourth thing. <clears throat> Compassion, understanding the authority, the power to overcome. And also, overcome reasoning. Let's see if I can find the verse for you. Bible says in verse 16 he charged them in verse 15 take heed beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod and the Bible says in verse 16 they did what? they reasoned among themselves they reasoned among themselves you know let me give you some ideas of what I think is important when you reason from within First of all, we have an old nature. How many know that? How many know the old nature just has to speak up every time God wants to make a decision in your life? How many know that? Oh, you always, you always got some input in it, right? You tell them to shut up, and you don't shut up. You keep telling you, shut up, I'm, I'm listening to the Lord, the Lord wants me to do this. See that within reasoning, the power to overcome and recognize the older man always opposes faith. Did you know that? 
Anytime you want to step out and follow God, the old man reason, now wait a minute. Now, well, you don't want to need it. Now, wait a minute. Hey, you know, if you really want to read, you know, you think about it. You're going to be retired. You're 63 and 64 uh, next January. You only got, uh, you may live to be 90, just like your mom. And you'll be living on food stamps. Who's telling me all that junk? God? Oh, man. I understand that the old man always opposes faith. Write it down if you can't remember it. And review just seek the solution outside of yourself. Where do we do that? What did Jesus say they lacked when they couldn't cast out the demon, the devil? Prayer and fasting. Instead of starting, first thing, I, I need to think of all the answers. All I got a reason I really wash this around in my mind. Maybe I just need to take this to God in prayer. Oh, that seems too simple. Maybe I just pray, you know, God, I'm worrying, fretting, and concerned about this. Maybe I just drop all that. And just say, God, you know, uh, 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 there's a need here. There's a, there's, I got a choice here. It appears to me the only answer is this. Uh, uh, God, give me the grace to do what you want me to do. The faith to do what you want me to do. Seek solutions outside yourself. Solutions is going to be, I'm guaranteeing, is going to be more time in the Word and prayer. If you're not going to reason within yourself or among yourselves, you're going to spend more time reasoning with God. And so that means that you're going to only find that it's going to be the Word and the water and the Spirit, but you're also going to find it's going to be prayer and the Word. And lastly, kind of a repeat, but the fourth thing in this inner reasoning is understand it's always, 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 say with me, always going to be the first place you go. It's not generally we, oh, let's pray about it. No, we want to reason first, right? We're going to talk to our neighbors, friends, pastors. We're going to talk to everybody in the world. The last place we go is, well, maybe I need to pray about it. How many of you have been there and done that? Yeah, we, we give up on everything bad. Well, you know... I gave the illustration last week. It was about um, finding this home. We've been trying to find a little little place we can all go. And and I kind of sheepishly said, well, to Debbie, maybe, maybe we need to pray. And now if you haven't heard Debbie's testimony, we prayed and we found one the next day. What, what, is there something that God's trying to tell me? How many think God maybe had a little information? Little, little, and not only did we find the place, man, the guy was saying, you know, he said, that, right in the description of the place, he said, uh, now if you got over, it was it 18? It's $50 a night for everybody over 18. How many we got? 20? 22. Fear of trepidation. Right, Debbie? Oh, no, that's $400 more a night. That raises it from those, that little modest price to one way, well, I don't know, that's going to be way up there. Do not reason because that's the first place you'll make. How many, where is the first place we should go before we reason with from then? Take it to God. Let, let's, let's change that pattern. Let's break that habit. How many know we 
said, oh, this is I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give God first place. And before I can put, um, figure out on paper and, and uh, dock my names and friends and pastor and wife and many children, whatever, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to just take it to God. And maybe when I take it to God, maybe I'll just leave it with God. What is the subject today? Power. Nuts and bolts of power. Last one, we're done. The last one is verse 22 of chapter 8. He cometh to Bethsaida, Bethsaida, however you want to say that, and they bring him a blind man and turn him to Sodom to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of town and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him he asked him if he saw it. He looked up and he said I see men as trees walking. It's kind of a weird thing isn't it? Either way it wasn't right. Men aren't trees and trees don't walk. And even Jesus says what? He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. In verse 25, after that he put his hands upon his eyes and he made him look up. And he was restored and he saw every man clearly. The point I want to make here, how many believe that Jesus could do his, could help anybody. How many believe he could help anybody? I know he can help anybody. Anybody that knows anything about it, these people that brought him to the what we've heard about Jesus, he can help him. I don't know what he can do, but he can help him. You know, one of the things that the power of God is is that we believe God can help anything and anybody. We take the needs that we have in our personal life and we take the needs of others and we believe God can help them. Just believing that God can help them and taking them to them. Listen, we're to pray what? Believing. How many of you know that the Bible tells us that? How many of you have ever prayed but you didn't believe when you prayed? That's wrong. It's wrong. You want the power of God and you pray for something yet you don't believe it, then why are you praying for it? You're wasting your time. What you need to get on your knees and I need to get on my knees and say, listen, that is not the power of God to believe that you're going to do something yet I can't pray believing. You want the power of God, you ask God, God, I want my, I'm going to pray from now on for things that I of the needs of others and my needs but I just don't want to pray believing somehow just uh, mouthing the words is going to do it I got to want to change want you to change my mind and when I bring things to you you're changing things you're working in people's lives (laughs) 
Shame on me that I didn't take that thing to, to God earlier about our need. Although I, you know what sometimes it is? You know, if you're doing, think, I thought about this afterwards, and I'm thinking, you know, why didn't I take it? I had probably a little tinge of doubt in my mind that maybe that, that was important to God. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Well, maybe I shouldn't take this and bother Jesus with this. You know what? If you're doing something and you know it's what you need to be doing, then it's the will of God. And you need to be doing what? You need to be praying about it. If you're doing something that you can't pray about, then you better quit doing it. But if you're doing something you know is the will of God, then you should be praying about it. And you should be praying what? Believing. You want the power of God. Let me ask you, Christian, listen to me this morning. Do you want the power of God in your life? Number one, you've got to have a love of people. Number two, you've got to believe in the authority of God's word. Number three, you've got to quit reasoning with the old man. You've got to quit reasoning within yourself. And then you've got to just going to take that idea that God can fix anything and everything. I'd like to be around people like that. I think God least likes to be around people like that too. If you're here today, and the things that I've mentioned are weaknesses in your Christian life, and the Bible says we better repent. Are you listening? If it's a, if it's if we're representing the Lord Jesus Christ in this world and we misrepresent Him. And we've done that by not demonstrating the power of God in our life. Then we need to tell Jesus what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that you love folks. And I haven't demonstrated that. I know that you're a God of authority. And I haven't placed the time or the resources to memorize and, and study your word and believe your word like you told me to. And I know I spend too much time reasoning or worrying and fretting and within myself. I just need to start giving that to you because it doesn't. And when I reason, it doesn't reflect you. It reflects me. And when I start believing God can fix anything and everything, I know my. I think it was when my kids was little. I don't remember who it was now. Probably as a little kid, they they think, you know, hey, Dad, he, he can fix anything. I can't fix everything. But I remember somebody said, oh, yeah, you can fix that. <laughs> I remember my mom told me that one day. All of her other kids had a cabinet, and she loved this cabinet. It was, her, I mean, you have to know my mom. Grew up in the Depression. It, it was one that probably should have been thrown out on the heat pile. And she said, no. Kirk can fix it. And my other brother says, oh, I don't know, he can't fix it. Well, when she comes and says, you can fix that, right? Well, now i got to fix it, right? There ain't no way I'm going to get around that. And I say, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, maybe. No, I fixed it. But listen, how would it be if you and I had the power of God and we believe God could fix anything? How many think God, God could fix my kids? God can fix my marriage. God can fix our church. 
God can help the people that are lost in my life. Let's stand as we close. Power of God, do you have it? If you don't, you need to repent. You need to tell God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't respect you. I'm sorry that I, I've been walking around behaving in a way that is more secular and religious than somebody of the Lord abiding in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for the book of Mark. I thank you, Father, that if, if something in our life is not right, we're to cut it out or pluck it out or chop it off. If it's not behaving the way it should be, Father, if our, if our, if our faith has been somehow secularized or somehow just religious, we want to cut it off, pluck it out. Lord, we don't want to continue to say we're Christians and yet something about us doesn't really say that. The people around us really don't see the power of God. They don't see our love. They don't see our authority. They don't see us praying and instead they see us reasoning within ourselves. Lord, I know you can fix anything. I've I've seen you do it. God, help us as a church to be broken over things that are not right. Help us to be saddened, repentive, and wanting to change and be all that we should be, could be, can be. 